Good day. This is Modern Babylon Cultural Contrarian Ryan Miller. We're going to dive back into a couple more chapters from the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. Um, <clears throat> this has been quite a journey reading through this book and ended up doing some self-reflection regarding my actions. And I, I uh, encourage you to do some self-reflection as well. So we're going to dive into Chapter 7, Magdeburg and the Lesser Magistrates, Chapter 7. Martin Luther was rescued from death by the, by the interposition of a lesser magistrate who defied the order of his superior. From the time Luther pounded his 95 theses, isn't this interesting, this just happened not too long ago in history, to the church door in Wittenberg in 1517, there were religious and political forces that opposed what he stood for and wanted him dead. Prince Frederick, Frederick the Wise was the elector of Saxony, and as such, he was a lesser magistrate. His superior, Emperor Charles V, had ordered Luther to defend himself against the charge of heresy in, Verm, in Worms, Germany, in the spring of 1521. I always say Worms, because that's the way I believe the Germans say it, but this is uh, the, the Diet or the Diet of Worms. Through Frederick's efforts, Luther was granted safe conduct so that he could personally answer charges and renounce or reaffirm his theological views. Luther, therefore, attended what became known as, some people say the Diet of Worms, some, some people say the Diet of Worms. When Luther failed to renounce his beliefs and submit to Roman Catholic rule, Emperor Charles V ordered Luther's apprehension. Charles forbade anyone from this time forward to dare either by words or deeds, to receive, defend, sustain, or favor the said Martin Luther, and commanded the reformer he brought, be brought before his court for punishment as a notorious heretic. Such language was tantamount to a death sentence. Though directly under Charles's authority, Prince Frederick did not arrest Luther and turn him over to Charles as ordered. Instead, he feigned Luther's abduction in order to hide and protect him. He used his lesser magistrate authority to countermand Emperor Charles' unjust orders and defend Luther, who resided in his jurisdiction. This act of interposition by this lesser magistrate had far-reaching implications for the future of the Reformation. Thirty years later, the protection afforded Luther by the lesser magistrate clearly had an impact on the men of Magdeburg, Germany. Emperor Charles V imposed his Augsburg interim on May 15, 1548. I just want to draw attention that people may be aware of the Augsburg Confession. Uh, this law was an attempt to force Protestants back under traditional Roman Catholic beliefs, practices, and rule. Only one city in all of Germany stood against the interim Magdeburg in that city. The magistrate protected the people and defied political and religious tyranny. They upheld God's law, word, and gospel, while all the rest of Christendom went along with the interim sanctions in order to preserve their own well-being. The lone city which stood in opposition was the outlawed Magdeburg. As tensions mounted, the pastors of Magdeburg wrote a defense of their position for standing in defiance of Charles V and his unjust interim. They published their confession and defense of the pastors and other ministers of the Church of Magdeburg in April 1550. This later became referred to simply as the Magdeburg Confession. 
The magistrates of Magdeburg refused to submit to the emperor. Their consciences were resolute because of their fealty to Christ and their understanding of his word, and they stood their ground because they understood the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. In October of 1550, Charles's forces surrounded the city. The people of Magdeburg burned everything outside the city walls and closed the gates. The siege of Magdeburg had begun. The Magdeburg Confession is an important historical work because the pastors of Magdeburg were the first in the history of mankind to set forth in a doctrinal format what only later became to be known as the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. Though many men acted in accordance with this doctrine prior to Christ, showing that this doctrine is not only found in special revelation, but also in general revelation, also referred to as nature. And though many Christian men acted in accordance with its subsequent to Christ's time on earth, it wasn't formalized as a doctrine until the reformers of the 16th century made it such. Other Christian men who wrote of such matters prior to the Reformation included John of Salisbury and Azo in the 12th century. But the pastors of Magdeburg were the first in history to identify many historical examples of the lesser magistrate doctrine in action, both from the Bible and from extra-biblical sources. They wrote in the Confession that they were prodded by their difficult circumstances into formalizing a doctor, doctrine rarely articulated. They write, We would have desired even now to hide this true opinion as it has always been hidden hitherto. Had we not been defeated by the present injustice and tyranny of certain men and deemed that the preservation of the gospel and the true church ought to be put before such dangers from these ignorant men. Gosh, I love that. The true opinion that had always been hither, hidden hitherto is the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. These pastors were the first to write down the doctrine as proven sound in scripture and practiced in history. The first name affixed at the end of the Magdeburg Confession is Nicholas von Amsdorf. He was a close friend of Martin Luther and accompanied him, accompanied him to his hearing at Worms in 1521. He was also with Luther on his return trip when Prince Frederick kidnapped Luther, of which Amsdorf was privy, in order to hide and protect him. Amsdorf remained a close friend of Luther, Luther's until his death in 1546. The Magdeburg Confession consists of three parts. The first part is designed to assure the Magdeburg magistrates of the confessor's orthodoxy that they stood doctrinally with Luther. Therefore, they laid out in detail their Lutheran theology. The third part is a warning and exhortation to all those that would take actions against them, whether directly or through complicity, as well as those who would stand by and do nothing to help them. Much wisdom is declared in that section. The second part of the confession, however, lays out the lesser magistrate doctrine. This section begins with an appeal to Charles V. The pastors exhort him to remove those surrounding him who give him bad counsel. They make clear to Charles that the only reason for this impasse is due to his attack upon their Christian faith, that when those in civil authority make laws which impugns the law or word of God, Christian men have a duty to obey God rather than men. Let that sink in. They also assure Charles that they are his best citizens. 
They write, we will give from our churches the greatest possible number of men who, if they be able to enjoy their own religion through you, will declare their obedience toward you in all owed and upright duties and loyalty without hypocrisy, perhaps more than all those whom you say are obedient to you. They declare they have taken their stand against him only because of their love of Christ and his law and word. Therefore their stand is sure, and they tell Charles, We are not swayed by the majesty or wealth of anyone. The pastors then introduce their formal presentation of the lesser magistrate doctrine. This doctrine, which we hand down about the legitimate defense of the lower magistrate against a superior. They proceed to make three distinct arguments, which include a list of examples, both from scripture and from history. The pastors commence their arguments by stating, The magistrate is an ordinance of God for the honor to good works and a terror to evil works. Referencing Romans 13. Therefore, when he begins to be a terror to good works and to honor evil, there is no longer in him because he does this, thus, the ordinance of God, but the ordinance of the devil. And he who resists such works does not resist the ordinance of God, but the ordinance of the devil. Hence, when a superior magistrate perverts his God-given function and begins to uphold evil and to be a terror against good, the lesser magistrates under his authority must decide to either join the unjust magistrate in his rebellion against God, or, as the pastors say, vindicate the honor of God and obey him rather than man. In their arguments, the pastors declare the idea of unlimited obedience to the state as an invention of the devil. They rightly assert that all authority is delegated from God. Therefore, in one, in authority makes commands contrary to the law or word of God, those subject to his authority have both a right not to obey and a duty to actively resist. The pastors proffer an example from family government, and they write, Let us take an example concerning a father of a family. If he should come home to his wife or grown daughters in his house with some scoundrels in an obvious attempt to prostitute them, then his wife and daughters not only would not render their husband and father the obedience they otherwise owe him, but when they are not able to preserve their chastity in any other way, they would drive him off with stones. The pastors then take this example and make an analogy to civil government. Their point is that no one in authority, whether in family, church, or civil government, holds his authority autonomously. Rather, it is delegated to them from God. If the authority therefore makes law which contravenes the law of God, those subject to their authority can refuse obedience because, as the pastor writes, divine laws necessarily trump human ones. The pastors of Magdeburg, all magistrates, higher and lower, possesses delegated authority from God. Therefore, the lesser magistrates have a right and duty to oppose the superior magistrate, turned tyrant, when he makes laws contrary to the law and word of God. The pastors did not view unjust or immoral laws and edicts by the higher magistrate to be an excuse for lesser magistrates not to protect the citizens of their jurisdiction. Rather, they viewed resistance to unjust or immoral laws and edicts by the higher magistrate as the duty of the lesser magistrate in order to protect citizens within their jurisdiction. 
The pastors are so detailed in their confession that they carefully define four levels or degrees of tyranny by, superior, by a superior magistrate and the legitimate and proper response of the lesser magistrates to each. There was order to their resistance. Their position was well thought out, adhered to standards, and appealed to immutable truth. These Lutherans were first to set forth the doctrine on the lesser magistrate. The confession set forth a biblical and historical foundation that strengthened the consciences of the magistrates in Magdeburg to resist the unlawful law of Charles V. Its implications went far beyond Magdeburg, however. Their writings clearly impacted other of the reformers in Europe, including John Knox, Theodore Beza, Philip Mornay, and Christopher Goodman, all four of whom went on to further build the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. The influence of the Magdeburg Confession upon John Knox was seen during a debate in 1564 with William Maitland of Leightonton, who was Secretary of the State for Mary, Queen of Scots. Maitland chided Knox for his position that lesser magistrates and the people could oppose the higher authority. He stated of Knox's position, I think ye shall not have many learned men of your opinion. <laughs> Sorry, I had to laugh. It's like... I am surrounded by not many learned men of my opinion, surrounded by them. Knox replied, My lord, the truth ceases not to be the truth. Howsoever it be that men either misknow it or yet gain stand it, and yet I praise my God. I lack not the consent of God's servants in that head. Knox then handed a copy of Magdeburg Confession to the secretary and bid him to read the names of the pastors signed at the end of the document, declaring the just defense of the city. Then he added, to resist a tyranny is not to resist God, nor yet his ordinance. After looking at the names of the pastors, Leightonton mockingly stated, men of no note, upon which Knox replied to the Magdeburgers, yet servants of God. John Calvin's successor, Theodore Beza, when writing on the right and duty of lesser magistrates to resist superior authority, which makes unjust laws or orders, said of Magdeburg, the city of Magdeburg, situated on the Elbe, offered the outstanding example of this in our own time. Twenty years later, while writing on the right of magistrates in 1574, Beza included in the title itself a treatise published by those in Magdeburg in 1550. Beza first published his work anonymously due to the political situation at that time, and he thought so highly of and was so deeply influenced by the Magdeburgs that he ascribed his writing to them. The Magdeburg Confession is of vast historical significance precisely because it laid out the lesser magistrate doctrine from Holy Scripture and history. The siege of Magdeburg lasted for over a year from 1550 to 1551, about 4,000 of Charles' forces were killed, while 468 Magdeburgers lost their lives. The siege ended on November 4, 1551, with favorable terms for the Magdeburgers. They were free to practice their Christian faith. If not for the actions of the Magdeburgers, the entire Reformation itself may well, very well have been a blip on the radar screen of human history. Charles had it intended to re-Romanize all of the empire. However, the actions of these reformers clearly led to very important councils and subsequent treaties. 
After the siege ended, Maurice of Saxony left Magdeburg and along with other German princes attacked, Char attacked Charles and drove him out of Germany into Italy. Charles V, weary of civil war, granted religious freedom to the reformers of peace and Passau in, sorry, August of 1552, just nine months after the siege of Magdeburg had ended. The Peace of Passau granted peace only until another imperial diet could be held. That diet was held in Augsburg in 1555. The result was the Peace of Augsburg, September 25, 1555, which declared whosoever reign or whosoever region his religion. Prior to and during the siege of Magdeburg, the pastors and other ministers wrote over 200 pamphlets that set forth the defense of their actions. These pamphlets were printed by the thousands and distributed not only throughout Germany, but also throughout the Holy Roman Empire, England, Scotland, and France. Greatest of all, the siege of Magdeburg produced the Magdeburg Confession, which is the earliest known historical document to formalize the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. I'm going to conclude at chapter 7, and we'll do another broadcast to go over chapter 8. Man, put this in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. Fantastic book. I hope you're finding value from me reading it. Please, if it's in your heart, follow me on my Give, Send, Go. Share the actions that I'm taking as the interposer to advocate on behalf of parents to help them realize that they have power, strength, and it begins with gaining knowledge to be free from the the shackles of tyranny, lawfully, respectfully, and honor the Most High King and stop bending your neck to the unlawful demands, commands, policies, statutes, guidelines of those people that have no heart for God. People are out there praying and saying to respect these good people that are serving your community. Folks, you need to understand what the word good is. It's not a measurement based upon what your neighbor does in contrast to what you do. The, the objective standard of good comes from Scripture and God and the divine spark. Do not pervert the actions of evil men that they, they deprive you of your unalienable, inalienable rights. Our Constitution and the Bill of Rights are just words on a piece of paper that articulate that these rights are from our Creator. And the man cannot step on those. And if you give them up, that's on you. But don't claim these people to be good to restrict or provide permissions for something which God has put inside of you. Put that in your electrical pipe and smoke it and recognize who you really are. Stop pretending to be something that you're not. And don't ascribe good intentions to people that are acting evil. Sorry. Have a good day. Next chapter coming shortly. Take care.